Hi, this is Steve Harkadon, and welcome to the Future of Education. It is Tuesday, April 12, 2011, and we're so glad you've joined us. Our special guest tonight is Carl Speak, the author of the fascinating book, Be Your Own Brand, Achieve More of What You Want by Being More of Who You Are. Carl, thanks for being here. Uh, you're welcome, Steve. Sorry, a little message gets in front of my microphone button. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're really delighted to have you here. And thanks for remembering to turn your mic off when you're not talking. Really appreciate it. Okay, coming up on the future of education, of course, tonight is Carl. Um, Thursday, Jerry Mintz is going to talk about the education revolution. It's, uh, it's a blog post up on that. That should be really fascinating. Uh, next Tuesday, David Schenk on his book, The Genius in All of Us. I started listening to this on audio, and it is fascinating. That's going to be a really fun evening. Uh, Barry Schwartz that Thursday on the paradox of choice. The week after that, Hugh McGuire, the founder of LibriVox, uh, Pam Moran and Iris Sokol are doing a special uh, Thai Colorado event. Uh, Dale Stevens is going to talk about his uh, project Uncollege that's gotten some good press lately. Young guy who's dropped out of college and talking about Uncollege. Very fun. Uh, you'll notice some new uh, sessions coming up. Ken Robinson's confirmed for Sir Ken Robinson's confirmed for May 25th to talk about his revised version of Out of Our Minds. James Bosco on the question of participatory learning: Is it real or even new? That should be fun. He heads up the COSIN initiative on Web 2.0. Um, Larry Forlazzo is going to talk about his new book, Helping Students Motivate Themselves. And the Dufours are going to talk about learning communities in August. So a really fun schedule coming up. Sure hope that there's something you can join us for. If you've missed a session, of course, they are all recorded. And they're up on the website, both in full illuminate versions and MP3s. And there's a podcast stream. We talked last week to Bernie Jean Porter about doing future search activities for local communities. There's something really, really powerful there. We're going to keep talking about it. And Bernard Jean is going to run a special session in the evening of EduBloggerCon. Um, that's at ISTE, the Saturday before ISTE, which is a free event. Go to EduBloggerCon.com if you'd like to attend. We'd love to have you there. Uh, before that, Rick has talked about education reform. The same thing over and over. Bill Mathis, Mitch Resnick, uh, lots of really fun recordings up there. hope that there's something there that's appealing to you. If this is your first time in Illuminate, uh, it is a participative environment. I would recommend the first thing you do is go up to View Layouts and switch to the Wide Layout. So that's uh, in the toolbar, View Layouts, switch to the Wide Layout. It makes it a lot easier to see the chat. At the bottom of the participant box, you can see you have a smiley face, a clapping hand, a confused look, or a thumbs down. These are ways of expressing yourself. When we go to Q&A, you can use that hand with the large, the large icon with the hand and the green up arrow to let us know you want to raise your hand and take the microphone, or you can put questions in the chat. I do try and track the questions in the chat that come up during the session, but that's sometimes hard. So if I miss a question in the chat, we'll ask you just to post them again. Um, we're going to give you a chance now to participate by indicating where you're listening from on the whiteboard. Look for the wand with the red star at the end to the left of the map. Click on that, and then click on the map. And feel free to shout out if you're listening from somewhere interesting or the weather is different. Uh, it looks like we've got New Zealand. Uh, it looks like Taiwan or maybe South Korea. 
Chicago, Phoenix, North Carolina, Anybody on spring break? I've got to imagine this is spring break week for a lot of people. Wherever you're listening from, or if you're listening to, oh, there's Sydney. Uh, yeah, uh, Chris, you click on the wand with the red star to the left of the map, and then you click on the map. wherever you're listening from or if you're listening to the recording. Again, we sure appreciate your participating. So Carl, this is really a lot of fun. Uh, we've done a couple of shows on personal branding. You're probably going to know the books. One was called uh, Me 2.0 by Dan Schauble, and the other was uh, Get Paid for Who You Are by David Wood. It's certainly a fascinating topic, but I think you've been talking about this longer than most. Do you want to give us a little bit of sense of your background? You bet, Steve. Uh, yeah, I've been. Uh, let me give you the sort of the, the brief uh, background. I started a, a consulting company uh, a little over 27 years ago, and as a part of that uh, business, um, I helped many organizations that you would know build strong product brands. And then uh, we got asked to build a lot of corporate brands, and that led me about led me about 10 years ago to this idea that. If we can learn to use um, the principles of brand to build the relationship between a product and a person, and then a company and a person, we sure should be able to leverage that knowledge to help individuals be more effective at building relationships uh, with other individuals. That, that's what got me there. But maybe more importantly was that as I saw people start to talk about brands on a personal level, it, it caught my attention because there was just way too much emphasis on, on uh, 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 building a personal brand strategy to be who you were supposed to be. And, and, and that really um, is not what building a brand is all about. It really is about being more of who you are. And so in that sense, I decided to take the time to write this book called Be Your Own Brand. And the first version came out in 2002. And, and here we are in, in 2011. And this other version came out. And so I was able to leverage a lot of the knowledge that I have um, been able to gain over the last 10 years, doing a lot of teaching, etc. So that's how we ended up getting to uh, uh, personal brand. Well, I think what's interesting for those of us who are talking about education is it feels as though the web is kind of dramatically changing the capabilities for individual visibility and kind of footprint. Um, and that, uh, that what may have been reserved previously for movie stars and, and athletes um, you know, is now becoming more of a reality. And, and we've talked about this both from the perspective of the students and the teachers. To, to what degree has the web impacted this as an issue? Uh, it's real clear to me that the, the web, and, and, and in particular social media, has had a profound impact, both from a positive perspective as well, in some cases, as a negative perspective. From the positive perspective, the extent to which one is adept 
uh, and active in the social uh, media world, um, we can build a much larger network. We can use so we, we build a larger network. We can make a difference for more people. But we also can use the power of the network to make a difference for more people in so many different ways. Of course, the the negative, and, and it's only a small portion uh, of the whole. But the negative is that that now a lot more people have a have a really powerful tool to have a stronger presence in the world through social media and, and, and of course writing blogs, etc. And and so that's so that really dictates that one must be more careful with how we communicate and, and understand that that um, we leave perceptions in a lot of ways. And uh, perceptions as we know are are reality. Yet I, I can tell you from from just um, a ton of experience that um, not enough people uh, pay attention to the perceptions they leave. And now they have this high power tool called social media where it's easy to type and hit the return key. And in fact, um, so, that, so that's the potential downside uh, of it. But there's no, no question, social media, um, which sort of in many ways has, it defines the Internet today, um, has makes personal brand building and thinking about personal brand building. Not only um, is, it, is it really exciting about how you can use the power of the network, but also we are all now launched into a much bigger network and world, and so we, we, you know, it, it makes sense for us to, to uh, uh, be careful of our so when we get, I want to get to social media in a, in a bit. But when we do, I think there's a great tie between your definition of branding uh, and social media that you alluded to there. Um, you do have a very unique take, and normally we think of brands as kind of marketing speak. Um, and you talk about uh, recognizing that uh, you're providing a guide to building a strong personal brand and without selling your soul. Uh, and that personal branding does not equal shameless self-promotion. Uh, do you want to give us a sense of what you what's at sort of the core, the foundation of a strong personal brand? You bet. Uh, first and foremost, whether it's building a personal brand, a product brand, or an organization brand, it's all the same. But let's stick to personal brand. Your brand um, defines who you are in the context of how you use your values and your special qualities to make a difference for another person. So the important part about, about building a strong brand is, is to understand that one must pay clear attention to the perceptions you leave. You must be real clear about the importance of, of being authentic so you can be distinctive about something that it's imperative that you make yourself your distinctive qualities, your true self. It's important to make those relevant to other people. And that you really have the desire to be consistent, to make sure that how you act and how you apply yourself is consistent over time. And then the, the last quality about, uh, about a strong personal brand is the importance of taking the time, energy, and creativity to make a difference for somebody else. So I would just add to that that everybody has a brand and everybody can be a strong brand. It's not about being someone you shouldn't be. It doesn't matter if you're introvert, extrovert. It doesn't matter anything about who you are and what you believe in. What matters most is that you believe in something and that you're willing to use those qualities to be, I'm sorry, use those qualities to make a difference for other people. And, and in fact, the more difference you make with people, the more trust you build up with those people. And the more 
more trust you build up with individuals, the more opportunities you will have to make a difference. Making a difference yields trust. Trust creates opportunities, which at the end of the day, if you're willing to focus on becoming a strong personal brand in a very authentic way, then you get to be more of who you are, not less, which at the end of the day um, should be, well, is very uh, instrumental in um, allowing you to achieve more by being more of uh, who you are. So I know you say in the book that personal brands are not good or bad, they're strong or weak. But it seems to me that so much of what you're talking about here is about good. It's about authenticity, about making a difference. Um, how do you reconcile those two sort of separate feelings or thoughts? Steve, the, what I mean by not good or bad is, is uh, my urging to folks to not be judgmental. And the idea being that, uh, so as an example, one may, one may know of somebody who's a very strong brand because they're very much an extrovert, and they're the ones who are going to the cocktail parties, and they're, and they're um, 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 making a difference by being very outgoing. At the same time, there's another person who may be not be as outgoing, but who may be the most caring person in the world, um, and, and that brand is just as strong as the other brand. And so what's really important, what I'm trying to communicate when I make the statement about good, no good, no bad, is really to not be judgmental and to respect people for who they are. And if one must be judgmental, then be judgmental based upon how does that person use who they are to make a difference. And that, that is one thing where I, I, I do um, have a very strong opinion, and that is I do believe is we all have an obligation to make a difference as often as we can, and we all have our own unique strengths. Uh, it's just how we apply them. So Gary's nodding in the chat that I love the word authenticity, and you even have a chapter with the word in your title, and it's a big part of the book. Um, it feels to me as though one of the impacts of the of the web, and especially the social media, is how hard it's getting harder and harder for uh, us to control the narrative, whether we're a company or an individual. That the truth kind of comes out. So does that make this a really crucial time to to be aligning your motives with what you're actually doing? Uh, I in a in a word, absolutely. It is. Um, uh, I, I agree with everything you say about the power of social media, about transparency. I'm also concerned, frankly, that some folks use a social media in a in a negative way to to cast a a, a negative light on people when that's not deserved. But by and large, um, authenticity is such a is a valued commodity, and um, we need. To, so first of all. You are better when you are authentic, uh, because because you're more of who you are, and and that is your zone or your sweet spot. But the other point is that not only are you are you good at what you are willing to be authentic about, but other folks can other folks can sniff this out uh, if you are authentic or not authentic. So yeah, there's a there's a higher there is a um, a higher price paid in authenticity today. And social media does force us um, to 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 stay in our lane, so to speak. But authenticity has always been um, very, very important. 
So I want to dig a little bit into kind of the, the basics or the tools that you talk about in terms of strengthening your brand. Um, and one of the interesting ones for me was uh, it felt again like there was this sort of inherent tension. It's, um, you talk about it as relevance. It's thinking in reverse. It's helping to make sure that others get what they want. So being very attuned to what other people want, which gets very close to this kind of fine line of, of where you might see people trying to, per, trying to portray themselves as being what others expect. So how do you make this distinction between being responsive to what others want without going to um, just trying to, to uh, well, to not being true to yourself? So this idea of relevance is very important, Steve. And I, so let me uh, address this idea of tension. When I, when I talk about the importance of relevance, what I'm not suggesting be done is that to be so in tune with someone else to be who they think you should be or who they want you to be. The idea is to be really clear, be, be, be extremely empathetic and care enough to know what matters to other people that's step one. Step two, then, is to, be, is to then be clear about how you can take who you are to make a difference for them. And the only way you can do that is by applying your, applying your authentic or distinctive qualities in a way that matters to them. So clearly, unequivocally, um, um, my point of view is that every strong brand is built inside out. The strongest brands are built. Re, uh, the strongest brands have a number of things in common, but for sure one thing, and that is that they have done the hard work. They've done the introspection, the self-discovery, to be clear about who they are, and and to be and to be true to that. And then the idea being, then take who you are and apply it to. Uh, apply it in a relevant manner so you make a difference. The one thing that I'm very clear about is that if one tries to ch quote unquote change their brand for everybody, then you are nothing to anybody. And the trick here with building a strong brand is again making sure that you understand what's important to people, make yourself re and, and use your qualities to make a difference. But, but or should say, in addition to all uh, uh, of that, when, when it's about making a difference, just be real clear that, that you always have to stay um, grounded in uh, who you are. So I want to use that to springboard into the alignment piece, because I think for educators, this is a really interesting piece. Let's say if we're looking at educators rather than students, this um, figuring out how to align your interests with the interests of the organization that you work for um, can be very tricky. And, and you write in the book, we ultimately believe that every individual has the responsibility to work for an organization where there is a great deal of alignment. I think a lot of educators don't feel like they're in alignment with the larger goals of um, say no child left behind. So, uh, what what advice do you give to people who, who maybe are in that position? Steve, the the power of alignment um, cannot be underestimated. And so, let me sort of talk a minute about it, then answer your question about what should they do about it if there's not alignment. So, at the core, the reason alignment is so important that is alignment between your personal brand and the institution that where you teach or where you work is that 
the more alignment that exists between your personal brand and the brand of the institution, first and foremost, what will the, 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 the first benefit is the students will have a better learning experience. Because you have the power of two, you have the power of alignment all focused on what matters most to the students. However, um, or at, at the same time, if there is strong alignment, then as an individual, you will be able to excel with, le with, with, um, with less stress, with less tension. Your personal brand will be nourished consistently by the brand of the organization that has a similar set of values that feed into your values. So there's no question in my mind that, and, 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 I, have a, and I have a fair amount of, of empirical evidence to, suggest, to back this up, that the more alignment you have, with the institution you work for, the person, people you, you serve, in this case students, are better off and you are better off and ultimately the organization is better off because it is very clear that the, the brand of the organization is the sum total of all the personal brands in the organization. Also understand the fact that that when we talk about teaching, there really are two brands that impact the student. There's the personal brand of the teacher and the brand of the organization. Now, in some cases, we know the brand of the teacher outweighs or has more impact than the brand of the institution. And in so, some other cases, the brand of the institution is so strong that there's such alignment with the teachers that it's actually the institution's brand that makes a difference. What we're looking for is alignment. Now, alignment is great, um, and, and if you have it, hold on to it and nourish it and grow it. If you don't have it, my advice to you, my simple advice to you, is if you don't have, um, if there is, if, the, if it's clear to you that there is hardly any alignment, it is time for you to find another culture, another opportunity, uh, another institution. Because you'll never be as good as you can be. Your brand gets eroded. You will lose confidence in your brand. And frankly, it will also impact your personal brand outside of work. Uh, now, so having said that, it's also important, and we, we've seen, uh, again, through our research, that it's hardly ever a binary answer. It's not like you are aligned or not aligned. It's what you have to look for is the areas of alignment and make some judgment as to is there enough alignment for you to be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. We all know that in almost every institution that there's never enough alignment, and so in that extent, we've got to find ways to get around the things that are that are um, that are getting in the way. But I can my piece of advice for you is don't hedge on alignment. Don't um, deny that there's not alignment. You really have to do something about it. And when you do something about it, your brain grows. And also this, and also. Um, uh, when you find alignment, the students will be better off and you'll be able to make a bigger impact. So the power of alignment is fundamentally important, but understand that it's a matter of degrees. So, so that was the statement I was kind of expecting. And I, I know this opens a can of worms, and I'm anxious for people to be able to, to chat about it. And I can see some chat already. Um, one thing you do say in the book that mitigates this a little is that you can have alignment uh, at a very local level. So if it's alignment with a principal or your own school, that um, while that may not be your long-term alignment, at least for the current moment, that can be the strength that you need to, to move forward and to be able to feel like you're thriving rather than surviving. Did I get that right? 
you see you got that right and i and and again and the idea of or the idea around the power of alignment is around finding it in many as many places as possible the more local the better so as an example as as much as as important as the power of alignment is between an, a teacher, an educator's personal brand in the institution where they practice, that's important. Also, the alignment that the teacher has with their students is fundamentally important. The more alignment, the bigger difference you can make. It's having alignment with the community. As you say, having alignment with the, the administrative function uh, in a school. And the truth of the matter is that uh, that you know, brands are built locally, and brands really are networks. I mean, so, so brands are built with this network energy, and so it could be that you have a good relationship with other teachers, and maybe with with a principal or an assistant principal, and maybe it ends there. But you know, having these networks where there's a lot of strong aligned brands, they may be local, may be small, but they may be sufficient, may be sufficient uh, for your personal brand to grow and for you to make a difference. Yeah, and when we talk about social media, I think uh, that's another area in which there's potential for alignment. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about another impact on education that I thought was interesting, although not explicitly discussed in the book. But um, it's the degree to which um, often educational environments aren't aren't built around finding people's strengths, but sort of identifying weaknesses. And if we shift a little to this question of authenticity, uh, how important is it to help people find what their strengths are and build on them? Uh, it's, uh, as you might expect, my answer would be very important. Why is that? Because it, it's important for every institution to to um, make the effort to help people not only to not only define their strengths, but also help them define their brand. You know, to give them the tools to do the necessary introspection, the encouragement through the introspection, so that they're really clear about who do I, st what do I stand for, what are my strengths, how can I apply my strengths. I mean, this is this is a very important, um, this is a very important notion. Um, when we when we define brands and the way we're perceived. Were perceived with from three different lenses. There's first of all how people perceive our competency. What do we do? Well, a lot of us are not of us. A lot of you folks are teachers and educators. But what the next question is? What is your brand of teaching? What what is it that you bring to teaching? What are, we call this your brand standards? But how do you do what you do? Um, and it's really important now for organizations to help people flesh this out. What what is my brand of teaching? Because we all have strengths. Uh, and we and we should play those strengths. And then finally, our style is you know how do we show up so we give people confidence that we do have a particular brand uh, of teaching that can make a particular difference. There's no question in my mind that um, and and in fact we make a business out of this of giving organizations the tools to help every employee define their personal brand and encourage them through coaching, etc., to become a stronger brand, which starts with your values and your distinctive qualities. So I had uh, two really interesting experiences in this regard recently. I spoke at two different conferences on this idea of what I've been calling teacher 2.0, uh, sort of the, the professional growth of the teacher outside of their classroom work. And um, in one case with a group, uh, just had these, this marvelous, exciting discussion about the things that they're passionate about that they never thought to bring into their classroom of personal passions. But in the other 
at the other in the other conference a woman who came up to me afterwards and said I think I've forgotten what my passions are I've, I've been so involved in in what I've been asked to do for so long I'm not even sure I remember what my passions are um, so you talk about for authenticity finding purpose vision and truth do you want to expand a little bit about that you bet, Steve. I, uh, as I've been saying uh, uh, a number of times uh, in our conversation today, uh, strong brands are built inside out. All brands are built inside out. If we expect, if we expect to truly make a difference for others, uh, make a difference in a way that's meaningful to them, then we know that we have to get really clear about uh, how we apply our strengths, which then, by definition, says we need to have a real uh, a, a, a real sense of who we are. Now, um, uh, I know this that when I have studied brands, um, products, and companies, and individuals, one of the things that that I am really really clear about, and that is that the brands that have that are the most admired have a purpose that is that it ha has a purpose in life that exceeds what they do, that they are driven by a higher purpose. And by a higher purpose, I don't, I'm not necessarily speaking about spiritual, uh, although it may be, but it's a higher purpose because it guides you, it gives you a sense for why you are doing what you're doing. But the bottom line here is that it's so important for all of us to be start with a purpose, have a vision for how we will make a difference for others in our lives, which is all based upon um, our core values and and we can only be as strong. I'm, I'm sorry. We can only yeah. We can only be a stronger brand as we are um, confident in in who we are. And I can't begin to tell you is that the thousands of people that have gone through these workshops we have provided. Um, one of the first steps when they define their brand is they is, is they have to they go through excuse me they go through a process that where they have to narrow down their 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 commitment to seven core values. And uh, during that process, uh, I watch our facilitators, and sometimes I'm involved in this as well. And uh, they fill these things out. It, it takes them. We give them about 15, 20 minutes. It's a, it's a pretty orderly process. And then we ask this question: How many of you have done this before? Have have come up with seven specific values? Uh, and it is amazing. I will tell you this: that probably 80 plus percent of people have not gone through this process. So if you're not clear who you are, then how is it you can be clear about how you can make a distinctive difference for someone? So uh, the other piece is going through this process of personal brand and, and uh, management and, 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 and going through the process of defining your personal brand platform, it can be very exhilarating because the, the key here is you want to stake claim to who you are, but that's just the beginning. And when you learn how you can apply who you are to make a difference for others, a couple of things happen. First of all, you gain real confidence that, man, my values do matter, um, A, and, and B is the, the, the astonishing amount of sorry, reward when you see how you have made create distinctive value in another relationship. I just cannot describe um, how that makes one feel. So I, I, sort of, I got a bit off topic, but, but having, a, having a purpose and, and having a vision and having values, those are all three uh, sort of modalities of of, of getting clear about what, what you stand for, but you got to get, you have to get there, and and that requires uh, introspection and, and acknowledgement of certain things. 
So the, uh, there is an exercise in the book that, that allows you to do this. I don't think it's the full version of it, but it's a nice little exercise exercise. Uh, there are questions in the chat about family. And I think um, we had Jennifer Fox on the show, and Jennifer's book is called Your Child's Strengths. And I think that plays really well into what we're talking about here. And um, um, creating an opportunity to sort of discover what those strengths are. Um, we've done this with our children using um, the color code and find that um, the word to describe uh, when we do this as a as a family uh, night activity, is it's sort of exhilarating. Our kids get so excited to kind of think about what their strengths uh, and interests are. Um, I, I want to move on, but did you want to say anything more about that? No, I think it's 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 fairly straightforward, and 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 I think we've emphasized enough. But just in case we haven't, if folks are listening, uh, do take the time um, and and identify what's important to you. Okay, so um, I, as I read this book, I made some notes about how you know how you would do this, how you would get to your own personal purpose, and it was interesting to me that um, uh, you know I, I pulled from different parts of the book, but you know I thought of Stephen Covey and this kind of this idea of working in quadrant four, the things that are important and not urgent, um, taking the time to read books and to, um, to to pursue things with the faith that as you do that, that it will play out positively for you, the taking the time, that kind of reading time. And then also uh, time for reflection. Are, are there, is there specific advice you give to people about how to do this and how to make time for these kinds of activities? Uh, Steve, I, in terms of uh, well, we lay it out fairly decently in the book. I, I would, I would say this. I, I, I will go back to a personal experience I had. About 30 years ago, um, I worked uh, for one of a number of large corporations, global corporations, and uh, had a fairly responsible job. But I had a boss who was very inspiring, and he um, demanded. In, in as much as a boss can demand, um, that um, that I spend at least 45 minutes every day staring out the window and doing nothing. And his whole point was, if we don't stop and 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 turn off all the transactional things, we'll never come up with a with a, with another good idea. And so, in terms of how do you do this specifically? I would say from personal experience, reading is fundamentally important. Reading good fiction, there's nothing better than reading good fiction to give people uh, insights into their, into their, own, uh, their own life. Um, uh, quiet time, and whether that is doing meditation or just spending time in your own room. Um, uh, and, and the idea is I challenge people around the simple notion. How often do you take the time and have the discipline to complete a thought? And that is so important, complete a thought. And that does take quiet time and, 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 and willingness to know that looking out the window and thinking about the world and thinking about yourself is, in most cases, a lot more productivity than almost anything uh, uh, else you can do. So I, I don't know if there's a, if there's a formula. Yeah, for this, but I'm I'm real clear that that it's about uh, self-discipline. Okay, so let's move from self-discipline to courage, because that word is used a lot in the book. Why do you need courage to live your brand? 
Uh, courage is fundamentally important in terms of building a strong brand for a couple of reasons. One of the qualities of a strong brand is um, uh, is distinctiveness. That distinctiveness. That is that the way that that other people perceive there's something distinctive about you. Now, how do those two come together? In our culture, and I'll and I'll say in our Western culture, and certainly in the United States culture, um, there's a great deal of cultural pressure to be like other people, to be in the middle of the of the bell curve, so to speak, and. To be distinctive, which is, a, which is an important part of being a strong brand, means you have to have the courage to be different than others, but not just to be different for different sake. So A, being, having the courage to stand for something you believe in is absolutely important. Second of all, to step up and have the courage to use your strengths to make a difference for others when it's a lot more convenient to not do that matters a whole lot. And then third, having the courage to be held accountable for consistently delivering what, um, what matters to others is very, very important. And then finally, the courage, there, frankly, there's a courage, uh, courage is involved because there are some situations where we can make a difference where, we can, where it's obvious we can make, we can make a difference, but um, it's easier to not do that or maybe too hard to do that. So courage is really important, and, and it's the courage of the uh, courage of conviction around what matters to you and what you believe in the most. And I, 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 I am sort of, in general, shocked at how many how many people we've talked to who feel like it's too hard to stay convicted around what matters to them, and that they're so easy they are so easily knocked off their position, or their or when things get to be a little. Um, heated or a little tough that their first step is backwards and not forward. So courage is, is really important, but courage isn't that hard. So I think there's an interesting connection here between our education system or, or sort of the generalized version of our education system, which does reward compliance and sort of not standing up often uh, in that way. Um, and I also think maybe there's a connection with how we view mistakes in education, because it, it feels like one of one of the themes of courage is the willingness to acknowledge mistakes and then to kind of fix them. And often we we I think we struggle to even be willing to make a mistake. Um, I'd be interested in the chat if anybody has any additional connections with sort of the way we think about education uh, currently and uh, how it relates to this issue of courage. So let's talk about uh, social media um, because it seems like it's bridged some of the different themes we've had here, uh, you know, building a, a network of people who can become kind of a support system for you. Um, you talked about um, not, not only um, having that support system, but also being able to quickly make a difference to others. Uh, and I thought maybe you'd want to tell the story of your daughter or uh, maybe another story of how uh, easily and quickly you can make a difference using social media. Yes, Steve, it's, um, uh, back to our, our earlier part of our conversation, that social media has been transformative in building a strong brand. and and. I think it's important to focus on how social media has enabled us to use the power of the network to make a difference, not just use social media to make ourselves more available. And so the story that you referred to with my daughter, my daughter who is uh, uh, 20, 
going to be 27 years old is uh, has many hobbies, but but one of them is dog rescue, and uh, it, it turns out that um, um, that the dog rescue she does with these golden retrievers uh, is all over the Midwest, and and she spends a lot of energy with that. Well, um, and, and at one point she had well, this is not uncommon, frankly, where they have a dog that is probably not in the best shape and probably not the most attractive and, and you could just imagine. And um, had the hardest time finding a place for this dog and, and, uh, and but, it was, but it was through the power of social network and, her, and his big network she's built up that she was able to find a way for this dog. And I think there's some other examples with her as well, stories that, that may be in the book about not only that but finding resources and getting funding and and there's no question the story she tells me that it would be near impossible for her and her friends to make the impact that they do on these golden retrievers, these poor dogs, uh, without the, without social media. And it, it's 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 so refreshing to see how folks have, are tapping into the power of the network to make a difference, as opposed to tapping into the power of the network to try to. You know, it, to to expand your presence. You know, it's it's sort of to to say there, there's more of me, and 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 rather than use it tool to to make life better for you, use the tool to make life better uh, for others. But it, you know, as as long as we're on this idea of, of social media, one of the one of the ideas that we set forth in the book that that seems to be getting more and more credence. Um, so I guess maybe we were lucky, but it's this idea that we call URL versus IRL, and that's our little euphemism to talk about. URL is 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 a little euphemism for um, um, social media or the web, and IRL is this um, colloquialism that is being used apparently with younger folks called in real life. So the point being that in social media. One has to be very careful because it's so seductive otherwise to make sure that the brand that you are creating in the digital realm, in the social media realm, is is consistent with the brand that you really are. So of course there's there's all the the obvious things, which is if you have a presence in 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 uh, on the on the net that is on the social media that's not the same when you finally meet that person you could be a big oops but the most importantly when you when one is when one challenges themselves to justify and make sure that they their in uh, their social media self is the same as their in real in 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 real life self that what happens is that we find that we can use social media as a tool we don't try to get outside of our zone on the media we actually use the media for a tool to make a difference and not and and not just to try to create some alter uh, ego so those who are familiar with the interview series know I tell this story about my oldest our oldest daughter who does uh, theater work for kids with autism and how so quickly she's gotten she's actually gotten a job as a senior in college and a grant to do this work and and that would never have happened you know 25 years ago um, today our second daughter and now so I'm going to put the URL in here uh, that she's made arrangements to take a humanitarian gap year after high school and to go to Nepal and uh, work with a humanitarian organization there so I'm going to give her a plug hey on the URL IRL uh, one of the interesting aspects of this for me has been how sometimes the URL can actually better the IRL. 
have you encountered that the the that sometimes the persona that's created uh, either in social media or in, in um, um, gaming or a multi massive multiplayer games appears to actually provide confidence and improvement in real life? I do think that's a real possibility for, for certain people. And, and, and specifically when you talk about gaming so folks can gain confidence that they actually can win and they can actually, actually can achieve. It also, frankly, allows allows people, you know, there are certain people who aren't as outgoing face-to-face uh, but are clearly more outgoing with the keyboard. So I think that that can help um, uh, a lot. There's no question that for me social media is um, a powerful tool that can enhance our real life. But I but I'd also you know let's be careful how we use that because if we use if if we use if we place too much emphasis on our URL. That we'll probably get ahead of ourselves of our in, ahead of ourselves in our IRL. Okay, good. So we're going to move to Q and A. I've captured three questions that, that were in the chat. If I've missed your question, I don't ask it. Please post it again. You're also welcome to use the large icon. It's the hand with the green up arrow. And if you do, if you raise your virtual hand, I can give you the microphone. And you can ask the question by mic. So the first question that I noticed that came through came from Chris. And he said, branding is tough when you feel that you're constantly evolving. How can you have a brand but still keep green and growing? So Chris, the, the, uh, a few things to, to respond to that. First of all, every good brand is always growing. Uh, and always changing. By changing, I mean there's a certain point where um, one gets more set. One gets more set in their ways. Um, when people get a certain age, like the, like me, uh, frankly, it's important for us to grow. But we're probably a lot more confident in who we are. So, a, you should always plan on growing. But let me give you a couple of hints. What if if you're younger or you're going through change in your life for for whatever reason? Obviously, allow yourself to change, but always challenge yourself that no matter where you are on your change curve, that you're using who you are to make a difference. Now, why is that important? Well, you know that I really believe in the importance of making a difference. But, but if you can consistently make a difference for um, a new part of your life, that's going to give you confidence that that maybe is true to who you are. And, it, and, and the more difference you can make, that may give you confidence to realize that maybe that's a good place for you to settle. But every good brand, whether you're talking about a product brand, a company brand, or a personal brand, must evolve. Why? Because brands are relative. They're relative space. Because if you don't change, if a person doesn't change, but other people around you do change, then you will become less relevant. So that's, that's important. But also the world changes. And people want to know that you're changing with the world so that they know your brand will still remain distinctive, relevant, and consistent. So of course, understand that you'll change. But learning to make yourself relevant to others by making a difference, that's something in life that never changes. So I really like that answer. Uh, John makes, um, makes mention of the fact that even the use of the word brand rubs a lot of academics the, the wrong way. Would you want to speak to that? 
John. Um, you're absolutely right um, in in terms of when the the, the way to, there's too much conventional understanding that brand means that. Um, that we're trying to market ourselves in a way that's not true. We're trying to do stuff for our own um, um, uh, 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 our own benefit. So here's what here's what I have learned. That in some cases people will will, will push will brush back on the word brand. It, you can then easily substitute the word for reputation. Right. So that's one thing. The other thing you can do is try to help people understand that we all have brands. And that brands are how we are perceived, and and that that it's important that we are all perceived in some distinctive manner, so people get an understanding of how we what we uh, what we bring to the party. There's no question that for some people they can't get over the idea of brand because they think it's um, it's about a logo tagline or some over commercialization. Um, so in that case, if if, if people bristle at brand, uh, think of reputation, think of uniqueness, or another word I use, it won't be much easier, but it, once you explain it, it is, is that, that our uniqueness is really driven by our ethos, that is, our special character. Um, but no question that, that brand is a, is a word that has um, uh, many different um, I think you were done there, although uh, you turned your mic off quickly enough. I wasn't sure that you had finished your thought. Uh, Chris asked, so Carl, what are the implications for of all of this for students, many of whom don't know who they are or are dealing with huge issues of personal identity and peer pressure? Well, as we know, students, and especially as they get to be adolescents, are you know they're so volatile in terms of who they are. Um, there are a, a couple of things. Um, there, there is a real important impact for students to understand that that each of us, um, each of our brands, we all have brands, uh, is made is driven by how we are perceived by others, and how we are perceived by others greatly impacts how they will act and interact with us. So, in that sense, understanding their brand is vitally important. But a, something that's a party to that is to help students understand that they get to be anybody they want to be as long as they are willing to be clear about who they are and learn to make those qualities relevant to others so they make a difference. And, and, and where I think a lot of young folks have, have a tough time uh, uh, with their identity is they don't necessarily get enough reinforcement that um, uh, enough positive reinforcement that they are making a difference, and that being who they are is important uh, in this world. So I know that we've had a number of a, a number of, of, of folks who have used these personal brand concepts, particularly uh, with a lot of interest with freshmen in college and seniors in college, but for different reasons. For freshmen in college, it is, is for people to get, for students to get really clear, define what their brand platform is, and, and stay grounded in who they are so they don't make a lot of screwy decisions um, 
or in, overly influenced by by a new set of people. And then college seniors, it's because it's it's time to get your act together so you can present yourself well for a, your future uh, employer. So uh, I do think it has uh, I do think it has an impact, particularly to early, to encourage kids to do the introspection to what you stand for and to help them understand that as long as they use their qualities to make a difference, that um, that that will give them more confidence and. And by the same token, um, we know this, that, um, that an individual gets to become a stronger brand when they make a difference, but nobody really cares about you if you just work to be different. So Carl, the, the two metaphors that I frequently thought about with regard to this are the professional athlete you know, who plays for a team but is also known for his individual effort, and the movie star who participates in a particular project, a film, um, with an ensemble cast. Um, you don't mention either in the book, and it left me wondering if you actually don't um, find value in those particular ways of thinking about it, or if it just wasn't a part of your thinking in this book. Steve, that that has been a topic of discussion um, about about putting celebrities in this in this in this book. Uh, with the first edition and this second edition, and the reason that I wanted to avoid putting celebrities, whether they're athletes or Hollywood types, in here, is that I don't want anybody to to to. Um, well, first of all, there's way too many actors and way too many athletes who perform well in their field, but their personal lives are not. Um, uh, necessarily up to that level. Second of all, um, way too often with celebrity, uh, being a celebrity is fleeting. But most important that when way too many celebrities and to some degree athletes um, uh, uh, conjure up an image that is not real. And I didn't want to mislead anybody, which is why in this second version, You'll notice they did include a number of human interest stories, but these were all people who were non-celebrities, but who made fundamental difference in their lives. So, like Norman Bulog, uh, a good Midwestern guy, um, who is who is by all accounts, and not me, I'm not saying this, by all accounts, is the single person who had who has done more to solve world hunger than any other person ever in history, and probably more so than, any, than many organizations. But he's a great idea of a strong brand. He's proven the test of time. Um, and in every quality he has, he has used it fundamentally to make a difference that has, that has changed the world. Um, and there's others in there. So I'd rather use examples of people who, or I'm really clear that, they're, that they have focused their strong values and their brand to make a difference with others, as opposed to celebrities or athletes, where um, there's way too many, where that celebrity them will be um, fleeting. So it was a conscious choice. So that's really helpful to know. I will say, just to provide the feedback, that often I'll use the example of a professional athlete as a way of people understanding how both personal brand and the organization brand can kind of melt together. But I really appreciate the, the way you did that. And in fact, I'm thinking specifically of the one story of the doctor who invented the uh, artificial uh, heart, many organs in the heart, um, who didn't actually name them for himself. And um, in some ways, we would think he didn't, he didn't promote his brand, but in fact, given your definition, he was very much a, an authentic brand. Yeah, there's no question he was an incredibly strong brand, not only because he didn't 
he didn't um, crave notoriety, but he was so committed to what he was doing that he really committed his entire life uh, to developing these medical devices and, and clearly because he knew that was the way he could contribute and make a difference in life. And, and, I, and that I used him specifically for the reason you mentioned. I want people to understand that being a strong brand um, it's all about making a difference. It's not about celebrity. And, and that there are a number of wonderfully strong brands of people you will never know. Um, and, and maybe those who live, who live next door. And so, so in that case, as long as people work hard to, make, to use their special qualities to make a difference, that's a strong brand. That should be celebrated, not people who just crave attention. So Gary, uh, I'm afraid we're not going to have a chance to, to dive deeply into institutional politics, personal brand, and the need to make to work to make a living. But I do recommend that you read the book. Um, I, I think we'll, we've got time for one more question. John had asked, and I think this will tie well into the book's material. Carl, do you believe in the power of taglines for personal branding, like just do it? Is it helpful to think in that way? So do you want to talk a little bit about the exercises that are in the book related to um, sort of drilling down on your, your brand? You bet, Steve. I, uh, uh, let me make a distinction, um, a little nomenclature distinction. Taglines, I think, of is, is statements that, that one uses, whether it's personally or in the business world, uh, to, 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 get, to get people's attention to sort of sum up the benefit from a product. I rather like something we call a brand promise. And a brand promise is a statement, eight words or less. I guess we say in the book 10, but I think eight words or less. And the purpose of a brand promise is not to advertise it and not to draw attention to yourself. A brand promise is a statement for you, about you, and it's built off of your core values. It's built off of what we call your brand ethos. And the reason we have a brand promise statement is to remind us about how we'll make a difference for others. So I'll give you an example. My brand promise is three words, insight, wit, attitude. So those three words remind me that um, I think I can provide the, create the most value in uh, a lot of relationships by providing some insights about the topic or the subject or the issue. I think life shouldn't be taken so seriously, so a little wit, I try to add a little humor wherever I can. And then attitude means I will, I will, I will, I challenge myself to make sure that I'm very clear about my perspective when it comes to relating to folks. So insight with attitude. No one knows that. I mean, I have it in my email signature, but no one knows that's my, that I don't do it to advertise. So creating a brand promise is really important. Again, not to promote yourself, but to remind yourself of, of uh, how, you, how you can make the most difference for other people. I think that's a great place to stop. Carl, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, just the, the core idea of the book being so compelling. I'm so appreciative of that. We're, we've been talking to Carl Speak, on, uh, co-author of the book, Be Your Own Brand. Um, thanks again to, oh, we didn't even get to your slides, did we? <laughs> if you watch the recording, the slides are in there. I'll go through them quickly here, and you'll be able to look at them. You can also download them um, by downloading the whiteboard either now or in the recording. I think we covered most of what's there. Uh, very quickly, 
thanks to Learn Central and Illuminate for providing the hosting for the show. Uh, coming up uh, on the show on Thursday, Jerry Mintz, and then next week, David Shank on The Genius in All of Us and Barry Schwartz on The Paradox of Choice, and lots more good coming up. Carl, thanks again. You're, you're welcome, Steve. I enjoyed myself, and, and uh, I hope there were some insights for uh, all of the participants. I'm clapping for you. You're seeing other clapping hands. I think Don accidentally hit the raise hand that meant to clap. You can see there. Uh, that was terrific. Uh, the book is Be Your Own Brand, Achieve More of What You Want by Being More of Who You Are, and the co-author Carl Speak. Um, Carl, we'd like to let you go right at the hour because it's a commitment for you to come on, so feel free just to log off. Some of us will stick around for a few minutes to trade thoughts, and then we'll close the session out uh, in probably five or ten minutes. Thanks again. You're welcome. And Marianne, I had the same thought. I'm, this is a book I want to give uh, my children as well. Group <laughs> hug. So the recording, I'll get that recording up tonight. I have a, an event right after this, so I can't do it right away, but it will be up later this evening. Uh, the reading level is very easy. Um, I, uh, I, I really love the concept. I will say candidly, I didn't think the book was as well organized as we went through it tonight. Um, but now having gone through that interview, I think uh, you'll be able to pick out the parts that are very helpful to you. Um, and and I'll, be, I'll be curious to see if you see the same. I think the premise of the book is so powerful, it's worth the cost of admission just for that premise of making a difference in your brand being, how you make a difference. Um, Mr. Deb asks about my brand. I was, I've been thinking a lot about my brand in, in the context of this book. And, um, um, and hopefully, I am working hard at um, making a difference, and that's visible. So um, there is a part in the book that asks you to actually ask for feedback from people around you. I didn't think it was quite fair. felt a little egotistical to do that tonight. Um, but at some point, yeah, I'd be very interested in seeing if my perception of my brand aligns with uh, how others perceive it. So, um, but I do believe very strongly that if you work hard to make a difference, there are people who will appreciate that and and help you move your career forward. Oh, Peggy, you're kind. Okay, that was really fun. Uh, boy, the schedule coming up for the for the next couple of months here is really really exciting. Uh, really fun to have um, Sir Ken come back on. Um, and a lot of other speakers. So hopefully that um, you'll find something there that is of interest to you. Like I said, unfortunately, I have another activity that I have to go to. So um, I'll leave the chat here for a couple of minutes, but I'll turn my mic off, and then I'll close it out in a couple of minutes. Thanks, folks. Have a great night or day, depending on where you are. And David Schenk wasn't here before. This will be the first time. But uh, I will tell you, I'm listening to his book through Audible, uh, and I'm loving it. No, I haven't asked Temple Grandin to come on yet, Deb. Gosh, you keep reminding me I need to do that. <laughs> it's only that I've got about 20 other people I'm behind in inviting. I know, I agree. Temple Grandin is amazing. And there is an actual portion of this book about Temple. It's not anything you haven't read before, but um, it is interesting they bring her in as an example for branding. Okay, so I'm going to close this out. <laughs> 